Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani. And with me, as always, is Alan. Hello there. And Fred. Good evening. And guys, glad to be back. Uh, we missed last week, just weren't able to line up our schedules. And we missed a, a lot of big news, or really just one major big news item, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, start out just talking about the Braves in general, how things are going, and things are going about the same as they have been all season. This team continues to be inconsistent, can't really put a good run together, can't get over that hump of 500. So it's frustrating, certainly, especially with all the stuff going on uh, with the team. Uh, Alan, just not really the start to the season we were hoping for, and it's so far into June, it's continuing, uh, losing or splitting a four-game series with the Nationals, who have been playing really bad baseball you know four gamers are kind of tough anyway but uh certainly was one that you were hoping the Braves could win uh but this team just continues to ride that roller coaster Alan well it's going to be close to the all-star break before we're going to get a break in the schedule to be able to expect much different either so I think we're going to be living with this um 500 and a little bit less for a while there. We've got a really tough uh, rest of June. We're already into that schedule. Uh, the Dodgers uh, show up in, in the next couple of days. We got the Mets a couple of times. Uh, you know, a lot of these kind of uh, matchups that are going to be very difficult. And if they can get through the rest of June, Almost treading water. I think that's still a win, to be honest, because uh, it, it's it's going to be very difficult to do anything else um, to uh, to make any assault on the on first place at this point. It's it's just a matter of trying to make sure that they don't get buried uh, if they uh, get off to any further bad starts here in, in June. So I, I'm kind of hoping that they can just maintain something close to 500 over this next three weeks. And if that's the case, then um, there's a chance to make a little bit of a run in July and and early August until September gets nasty again. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, you know, as we get closer to that that All Star break, to give them a chance to make some moves. But uh, Fred, we keep talking about it, the inconsistency of this team, but nobody's really run away with it. The Mets have kind of created a little bit of separation. Uh, Braves are four games back of them right now as we record this on Thursday, but still. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, the fact that the Braves have played terrible or the fact that the Braves have played terrible and they're still not buried in the division at the moment. Well, I think the Braves have played terrible, but we have to understand that the Mets are playing their Triple A team, a lot of that, and they're starting to get healthy. And when they, I say get healthy, they're getting, they got Alonso back, uh, DeGrom as well, Strowman's back, coming back, uh, Strowman's back, he's pitching well, uh, their, their bullpen, uh, Diaz is finally the guy they traded for. They look like the stronger roster to me. Now, it's not a balanced roster. They don't have a good center fielder. Pilar's wearing a mask to play and, and things like that. But I, I think that to, to, to say that, well, the Braves haven't played well and the Mets got their lead because they haven't played seven games, uh, that we played is a mistake because you, the Braves have to win all those seven games, and the Mets have to lose those seven games for the Braves to catch up. And that is a pretty good size, pretty good size hill. It's not over. It's certainly not over. It can happen. You know, the the Braves can turn it around. They they can do that. The Braves are six games back, uh, and, and they're seven back in the loss column. And that's the that's the big one. And those seven games are games in hand. 
as you will, for the for the Mets. And they're go- but they're going to be played as double headers. And and you know that Stroman and and uh, Degrom can go out there and throw seven inning games and win double headers. That's where I think the problem is now. Are they a shoe in? No, they're not because they're the Mets and they're going to do something. But it's just to say, well, we can catch them because of, we're only six games back. Uh, that's not quite true in my opinion. I think it's going to be harder than that, and I think the lineup needs reinforcing before they do that, and the bullpen needs some help. And I, I think we need a starter too. But as it's, it, I'd hate to be Debbie down on this. But I'm just trying to be realistic here. Seven games on the loss column to overcome. Yeah, for sure. And to Alan's point, I mean, if they don't. You know, a tough schedule coming up. If they can't navigate that and still remain, you know, 500 and not let the Mets pull ahead any further, um, then it's going to be even more difficult to dig, dig out of that hole. And just to be clear, you're talking about Pilar wearing a mask. That's not COVID related, right? It's because he took one in the face. Yeah, that's because he took one in the face. He's got he's got uh, a uh, clear plastic mask. I we used we saw one of those a few years ago. Boy, I can't remember his name now. Player for the Cubs got hit in the face, and he wore one. It's, a play. it's like the what kind of mask basketball players wear when they yeah. uh, when they get, get a broken nose or something. That's exactly what Pilar's wearing. I saw him uh, I saw him hit a double with it, so <laughs> it's not bothering him at the plate. No. Um, I, I think that, uh, and, and thank goodness, uh, Pilar's all right. He's a good guy, and I hate to see him get like that, but yeah, he's playing with a clear plastic mask on. Uh, and uh, and he's back, and apparently not the worst for wear. Man's a, those are men, but I'd just scare me to death. I probably wouldn't get the batter's box for two years. Yeah, I, yeah I'd be done. I'd turn in my retirement papers after that. So uh, certainly glad to see Pilar back. Scary situation there watching it happen live. So uh, glad that he's back out there and able to play. But let's move into the big news item, um, and that's Marcel Ozuna. Again, we weren't didn't record last week, so – haven't talked about it yet, but I'm sure all of you have heard by now that he was arrested for a domestic violence incident. And it doesn't look good. If you read the report from the police department, certainly does not look good for Ozuna. Just a really tragic situation. I'll, Alan, I'll let you go first on this. I'll I'll give you a, you know, a not so difficult uh <laughs> topic to to discuss here but just uh, i don't know your overall thoughts on on the matter uh here in the news and and how everything's played out this is going to be difficult and the reason it's going to be difficult is because it's just a matter of navigating a big uh pr nightmare uh not just for lozuna but for the braves as well the police report suggests that the police got there to his house in time to witness a felony act of of domestic violence against his wife. And that's what he's been charged with. He's been charged with a felony. Now, he also got a misdemeanor battery charge, but um, it's the felony and the fact that the police witnessed it that's going to be very difficult for him to get around. Let's, uh, I guess, go immediately to the implications for the Braves and, and Ozuna. Marcelo Ozuna is not going to play for the rest of the year. That's pretty much a lead pipe cinch. He's not going to play because he's, there's going to be an investigation by the police. There's going to be an investigation by Major League Baseball. Baseball probably will not institute their own penalties until after any civil or criminal charges 
have uh, been resolved. In other words, if he has to go to jail, he'd serve his time. Then he'd come back and say, hey, I'm ready to play. And then baseball would say, nope, not going to, and impose whatever penalty they choose to, to do so at that point. My belief based on, or my expectation, I should say, based on what we've heard and what we know at this point is that he's probably going to get at least – I would say a full year suspension, and it could be worse if Major League Baseball believes that the felonies do more punishment. Now, let's uh, look at the timetable here. The way these things usually go is between police investigations and lawyer wrangling and stuff like that. I got to believe that uh, we're talking probably next spring before this thing could come to trial. If he were to, so so we're now we're in spring of 2022. If he is convicted of a felony, there's a minimum three-year sentence involved for the charge that he's he's up against. Uh, that would take him through 20 or into 2025, uh, plus appeals perhaps. So maybe the middle of 2025. Uh, his contract runs actually through 2025 as it is right now. So there's a chance that if all these things come to pass in that way, that uh, the Braves may not even have to do anything and all of it will run its course and they won't have to pay him another dime. Uh, if that happens, then they're free to take that money that they would have spent on him and use it for somebody else. And I'm going to uh, essentially stop on on that subject there and uh, let uh, Fred talk about the the implications thereof but uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping will happen because almost anything else becomes really ugly really quick one other thing real quick though I'm getting sick and tired personally of seeing teams have to pay off the perpetrators of domestic violence to get them to go away Colorado had to spend about $39 million to get Jose Reyes to go away. Uh, the Braves effectively had to spend $20 million to get Hector Oliveira to go away. They did so via a wacky trade that involved San Diego and some other bad contract-like situations, but uh, that that's essentially what happened. I want to see in the next collective bargaining agreement a clause where Team owners and team teams in general can void these contracts for the uh, those who commit domestic violence if they're really truly uh, involved in trying to make sure that uh, domestic violence becomes a thing of the past. They need to have a cancellation clause for these kind of contracts, and so that the vic uh, so the perpetrators don't get uh, rewarded effectively by getting paid off to go away. Yeah. Can agree more there, and uh, Fred. I mean, I wrote this in our chat the other day. It's it's kind of weird to say it. it seems almost I don't know if selfish is the right word, but the, the best case scenario it seems like for the Braves is for Ozuna to get jail time. Yeah, the thing about guaranteed contracts is that they're guaranteed, and while the 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 uniform players contract has a clause which is effectively a morals clause in it. The union has always held that the contract guarantee supersedes that clause and that the, any clause that teams add for, uh, for something like this, and that's been tried in the past, um, that the union has always held that these, these clauses are, uh, superseded by the collectively bargained agreement. And 
I'll go back. My labor law, I'll tell you what I did by labor law, of course. Labor law basically says if it's in the, if it's in a collectively bargained agreement, it's sacred and no court is going to overturn that. That's, that's the hard part of this. Now, if he is convicted of the felony and does go to jail, uh, he doesn't have to pay while he's there, uh, but he has to be paid while he's there. He doesn't have to be paid, uh, while he's unavailable to play. If they put him on, if they put him, if they parole him and make him wear a beeper and restrict him to a, an area, uh, he can't play then either, so the, he doesn't have to be paid at that point. But, you know, unconditional release, unconditional release, which is what you would do if you were just going to kick him free out there, the union would consider that punishment. Because they would say that the player is still capable of performing his his job. And if the player is still capable of performing his job and you release him, there must be another reason. And then that would go back to the uh to the, the collective bargaining agreement. Now, there's a step there's a place in the collective bargaining agreement that says under the joint domestic violence policy that the commissioner's office is has the right to take to issue all punishments, and they may at some point say, "Well, we're not. We're just not going to bother with this. We'll let the club deal with it." Now, that's not going to happen in this case. But that point, when they give it back to the club, has to happen before they complete their investigation. Once the investigation is completed, according to the wording in the CBA, he can't return punishment to the club. So, if the club releases a player who's capable of playing, who's capable of performing at a major league level uh, because for no other reason than he committed the felony, the union's going to go to an arbitra- arbitration panel and the union's going to win. That's, that's, just, that's just the way labor law works. It doesn't have to be right. It's just the way the law is. It, it, I know it's horrible, <laughs> but they've tried this before. The Mets tried this, and well, they tried it with Cespedes. They tried it in 2009, and the, the whole thing came down to neither case both times they negotiated a a settlement to that. Cespedes uh, took a cut in pay, and the other case, the Mets wrote a big check to buy them all. So essentially, work either time. And as as bad as it feels to say this, as bad as it feels to say, uh, you know, this guy's a jerk and he can't do this. We won't let him in clubhouse. We won't talk to anybody that we know. I don't want him around my family, my friends. I don't want him near me. He's got a contract, and that's why the teams traded Jose Reyes around uh, and until he wasn't playing well enough to keep on the roster. The, the, the whole idea that you can somehow go to court and win this uh, is a mistake, and any labor lawyer will tell you that's a mistake. It's just, it's just not going to work that way because collectively bargained agreements are sacred, and, and that's the way it is. Uh, sorry about that. No, I appreciate you explaining that. I guess what I don't understand is, well, maybe it's still too early, but I would have thought with how kind of clear cut it is based on the testimony of the police that Ozuna hasn't been placed on the restricted list yet because that would, you know, that would, you know, stop the Braves from having to pay him and get them, you know, at least out of this limbo for a little bit. But Alan MLB still hasn't done that yet. Well, they don't have to do that. Okay. As long as the as long as the police investigation is ongoing, MLB can defer everything until that investigation is over with. 
And in the meantime, he's on administrative leave. Now, technically, the administrative leave period is, is a period where he gets paid for be, not being there, which is like he's on the, um, he's on the injured list now and he's not there, not playing and he gets paid for that. If they put him on administrative leave, which is all they can do until they complete their, uh, their, uh, investigation at, at, at MLB, then the club has to play him, pay him while he's on administrative leave. It's like, it's like a police shooting thing where they put the cop on desk duty or they send him home and pay with pay. That's what's happening with the administrative leave. But the administrative leave length is seven days plus seven days if the reunion agrees to it. So they, the MLB is not going to start that clock until they can finish that clock. Because once they do the seven days and get the seven day extension, then they have to make a decision on what they're going to do. And the, the wording in the CBA under the joint abuse agreement says essentially that the uh, MLB may defer, uh, may wait until law enforcement has completed their findings and taken action before they do anything. So if the, if the uh, lawyers were to say, okay, we've got enough here, we're going to charge him in November. At that point, when they've made their, they completed their investigation, then MLB can track behind them and do this. That's the way I read this. Can track behind them and do their investigation after that. But why do that? At that point, he's going to be on the restrict, ineligible list because he's, uh, he's in jail. Yeah. But I know they've placed players on the restricted list in similar situations before. I don't know if it was Rosenthal's article. It may have been Allen's article, um, where the player was, uh, arrested for domestic violence and they put him, on the restricted list, like four days after, and that stopped payment that way. Well, they, so they put him on the administrative. They put him on administrative leave. I believe. I believe you'll yeah. find that they put him on the administrative leave, which is different than the restricted list. You're uh, talking maybe, about Ozuna. They've done that for Ozuna. No, no I'm talking about. I, I, there's there's several kinds of lists going on around here, and when he's he's not eligible to play right now, so they can put him on the restricted list. Uh, the team can do that. He's on the restricted list because he's he's not eligible to play the game. So essentially, we don't want to put them on the restricted list yet because that starts a clock. Well, they don't want to put, they don't want to, the MLB doesn't want to start the administrative process because that starts the, that starts the clock. I've got this written, I was going to write a post about this and I've got about three quarters of it in front of it and in front of me and it's complex because it refers back to ML, the Major League Rule 9, which is how you can terminate a player for own waivers. It's not really as simple as saying, well, I just don't want him here anymore. Goodbye. Because you're going to pay him if you do that. So uh, what you're asking here is you're asked to uh, terminate the player and end the contract. Uh, you yeah. can terminate him. You can cut him loose like we did with Dan Ugla. But if you terminate him and you don't want to pay him, then we're going to court. And and unless he's in jail and or incapable of playing the game and capable of being physically fit and able and presenting himself capable of playing the game, then you're going to have a you're going to have a legal battle. Now I don't think it's going to come to any of that. Okay, I think this is I think this he's not an American citizen first off, and I I think that uh, this could end up with a deportation, um, uh, some jail time, or an agreed deportation. Uh, go back home and don't come back. I think that the Braves are going to do everything they possibly can to either let this clock run out or do one or see if one of those things you just mentioned will happen so that they don't have to go to the, um, the wall to, to get this thing done, uh, via con, trying to get the contract canceled. I do think they will try and file a grievance to get the contract canceled. You're, you're right. They're facing an uphill battle, but I also think that they can, 
jump up on their soapbox and say, okay, Players Association, do you want to try and defend a felon uh, uh, and his contract uh, on this, or do you want to stand with uh, the the agreement we already have in place and be serious about a uh, or uh, trying to support women uh, and keep these guys from from being a uh, a rewarded uh, perpetrator and and that's that's the PR battle that would happen at the end game if they wanted to go that way if they had to go that way but i also agree that there's a whole passel of possible outcomes that seem to be coming up here that would support the Atlanta Braves and create a situation where they wouldn't have to pay Ozuna anything anymore I, let, me, let me revise and, and extend my remarks here if I for a second. Okay. Yes, Senator. <laughs> okay, so uh, the immediate discipline, if the commissioner uh, elects to discipline the player upon the conclusion of administrative leave, which is the 14-day period, then he can do that. He notifies the player, and they go to the union and do that. They can extend administrative leave for seven days, at, but at the end of the administrative period and the investigations, that deferral of discipline, the commission may defer. Commissioner may decide to defer discipline pending resolution of the criminal or civil matter arising from the conduct. So, this, yes. if this drags through the courts for two years, the commissioner can sit it out there for two years and not do anything with it because he can say the ball's not in my court. At at the end of whenever that com, com, completes, the player and the player's administration will be notified in writing from 6 p.m. today, the last day of the player's administrative leave, uh, what's going to happen. And then the player is, once the, the discipline is issued and it's over with, once the discipline is issued, he comes off administrative leave, he's returned to the active list, and then if the discipline is okay, put him on the restricted list for he's, he's banned for a year, that's fine. But once he comes off that ban, and the contract's still back in place. That's all the league can do. Yeah, but he's still got, I mean, you've got three and a half years left on this contract, three and two-thirds, yep. actually. And I think there's ample belief that this thing could run the clock out, that the Braves won't have to do anything, and that the if he gets convicted of something, that he'll be in jail, and then the MLB will have its penalty after that's over. Well, if his contract's looks, up, looks good. if his contract yeah. up, MLB doesn't have any penalization. Then it's done. Uh, this is this is the Felipe Vasquez thing in Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, they, he was convicted of like eleven counts of uh, child molestation, crossing a state line to have have sex with a minor, and all this kind of thing. And uh, he, he was found guilty on enough to send him to jail for a long time. And the story that wrote that came out in the Pittsburgh paper about that said that uh, he'll be he'll his minimum jail sentence will uh, his contract will end four months before the end of the minimum jail sentence, and therefore the pirates won't have to pay. So right. they, you know, surely, okay, if you want to talk about what Ozuna did, okay, yes, that's fine, that's a horrible thing, and really, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about him. But but Vasquez did something equally. At least as bad. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, I don't even want to talk. I can't even use words like that on the air. So, okay. So, and if the Pirates, if the, if any team had the right to void a contract because the player was convicted of 11 counts of child molestation, sex with a minor, and that, the Pirates have that right. And they aren't doing it. Yeah, but the, what they did was they allowed the clock to run out on him. And yeah, but it hasn't run out yet. They didn't have to. It hasn't run out yet. 
he has to receive the minimum. He has to be sentenced to a period of time, which they said he will be theoretically anyway. The minimum yeah. sentence would take him past that. But if he works some kind of a of a deal down, which I don't know whether what that would be, maybe they deport him or something. But if that if that uh, if they deport him, it's dead anyway because he's not eligible to play. Right. But if if he was able to negotiate that down. The, the pirates would have reason to go to court and say, ah, this violates us morals clause. They, um, they, they do, but then MLB will step in and give him the suspension that he'll get for the, the offense as well anyway. Exactly. And that's, and I believe that the Braves are not going to have to do that because I think that if the, I think as, as you said earlier, this is, this is going to run down. It's going to take a year to get to trial. A yep. year. And then it's going to take, I don't know, six weeks for the trial. And then sentencing six weeks after that, so he year, gets two years. Twenty twenty-two, yeah. Well, he gets two years instead of three, which I understand under Georgia law, this is a mandatory three-year sentence. But time uh, off for good behavior, all kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's say he, let's say they they plea it down to two years, and he leaves the country or something, or two years, and then at that point, if his contract's still valid, then MLB can step in and say, okay, and now you're banned for a year. Yep. So all that to say, <laughs> the Braves got money to spend. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 it's going around that circle. But it it's you know you could trip over these dates and these ter- the terminology. And I wanted to make sure I was clear. Yeah, but do the Braves have money to spend? Because that's that's my whole problem with this is that there's no clear. You know, we just went through 20 minutes of trying to to figure all this out just to say that we kind of don't know when we don't know exactly. We have we have assumptions. But, they have this year's money to spend because he's not going to be back this year. Right. Yep. But, but okay. I mean, going forward, because, I mean, we're talking about this offseason, like Alan said. I mean, they may not even start prosecution until next spring. I mean, so does that hamstring the Braves for this coming up offseason and what they can do, not knowing if they're going to have that money to spend or not? I mean, that's that's my biggest you know issue here that I wish MLB could give the Braves some clarity in that. Yeah, I'm wow. not sure. Go ahead. Well, I was going to suggest that while the investigation, the criminal investigation is going on, and while he's on whatever leave or list he's on, whether it's the administrative list or the restricted list, I don't think the Braves really truly have to pay him. No, they don't. Starting immediately. So at this point, he's gotten four million of his twelve for the year, and. So there's eight million more that now just jumped into Alex Anthopoulos' pocket, and he was probably saving four or five million to use at the deadline anyway. So I think he's got some some cash to spend, and by the time we get around to the trade deadline, that'd be two thirds of the season. So what we're looking at is what twelve, thirteen million dollars to spend that represents a third of a season's worth of a contract. So. He's actually in pretty good shape all of a sudden, strange circumstances as they are, but uh, he's going to be able to do what he needs to do in order to replace that bat and maybe do some other things. Well, and the Braves, don't, the Braves only have $50 million on the books next year. So there's, they, they, have, they have leeway. Let's uh, let's pivot right there. Then I think we've we've covered that fairly well. So the fallout from that, and Fred, I'm gonna let you go first since you wrote an article on it. Is where do the Braves go to replace Ozuna? What are the possible options they could be looking out at externally? 
Well, <laughs> we go to my post, of course. Uh, I, I picked on eight, and I immediately got told I'd miss this guy and that guy. Um, but I think you, if you're going to replace him, you have to replace him with somebody of uh, the, of good. You 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 don't want to hire another fourth outfielder or a 33 or a 34 year old outfielder who's gonna who's not going to produce. It, you've you've got this money that Alan said there. Go out and get you somebody that's worth it. So at the top of that list is is uh, Nick Castellanos, Mitch Haniger, uh, players like that. Um, Keitel Marte, if you if the Snakes want to trade him, and and those players that were listed in my in my post last week, and I think. You know, personally, I don't think it's. I like I like the idea of Joey Gallo because Joey Gallo is a left-handed bat, and in 2019 he hit what we expected Ozuna to hit this year, and he hit 40 home runs, and he plays Sterling corner outfield defense, and has played center, and can play first base. And he's not expensive. He's got like six million on the books this year. It'll go up next year to ten or eleven. We—that's not much money at all. Uh, I like the idea of going to get Gallo and maybe Ian Kennedy as a package. Um, after that, Nick Castellanos is the guy. Um, if you believe Mitch Haniger is going to be good for the next three, the problem is you're going to sell. You're going to give up a player uh, like Drew Waters or um, uh, Kyler, or some combination package for these guys. So you want somebody who's going to be around a while, uh, and that, for me, is a, is a top-flight player. That's Gallo or Hanniger or Castellanos or, or Keitel Marte uh, or Santander even. Santander's sort of on the fringe of my gee whiz list, but, but that kind of player. Uh, somebody wanted David Peralta, um, 33-year-old, fourth outfielder kind of guy, horrible left-right split. Um, he he hits well for the snakes in Arizona, but 50 of his 96 home runs have come at Chase Field, and I don't, you know, he's he's just not that player for me. But he's a good player, and they and they may end up there. Yeah, Alan. The thing is now, though, yes, the Braves have more money to spend, but they also are having to now replace a three-hole hitter, um, like Fred's talking about. You can't just go out and get any bat. They have to go out and get a big bat. In my opinion, they need a 30 home run bat. Um, on top of the fact that we need some help in the bullpen, that's obvious. We could use another starter. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that Alex needs to get done, you know, for this team to, to get, you know, hot in the second half and win this division. Um, but now you're having to, to find a three hole hitter to, to protect Freddie in the lineup. Last year, we were all over Alex Anthopoulos for what he didn't do at the trade deadline. Uh, the fact they did not go after the guys that <clears throat> we were suggesting, uh, you know, not that, you know, we're his advisors or anything like that, but we should, <laughs> we should be the, the guys that uh, would be the impact players that would be the difference between beating the Dodgers and getting through the World Series, perhaps. And, this year, since he, now we all of a sudden have this sort of windfall, if you want to call it that, I think this is a moment for Alex Adopoulos. It's a put-up-or-shut-up moment, even more than last year. You've got a team that uh, can emerge from its funk if it's got enough resources to do so. You've got uh, available players uh, from teams that want to either dump salary or aren't competitive uh, in terms of, say, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the, the Rangers we've been mentioning, the Orioles. Uh, you, you've got some uh, options there. 
you've got to go do this. You've got to go get these guys if you really are serious about trying to win. Uh, if you are going to do that, yes, you get guys who are going to be able to, to keep under team control for two or three years. Castellanos is one of those wild cards because he does have an opt-out in his contract uh, with the Reds. But, hey, if you could be among uh, Atlanta Braves with this young talent uh, involved, uh, why wouldn't you want to stay? So I, I got to think that uh, there, there, there's reasons to think that uh, they could go after him and keep him. I think there's reasons to go after guys like this, like Fred's uh, suggesting that we uh, go out and, and get an impact player. Uh, they're, they exist, they're available, and now you put yourself in a position where you, you can actually do that uh, with some credibility. You've still got these prospects that have been hanging around on the vine for the last two or three years. Are you really going to do anything with Kyle Wright? Are you really going to do anything with Drew Waters? You've got uh, Mike Harris coming up in, in the minor leagues behind him, so you don't really uh, need Drew Waters right now, and he's kind of uh, sort of blocked at the major league level. So go ahead and use him as as trade bait to get somebody really good. Uh, you've got some other pitchers. I, I was just wondering uh, sort of out loud earlier whether uh, uh, Tucker Davidson, who pitched so well today, uh, was being used as a showcase uh, start here today, or if he was being used to make it look like Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson or either one or both are expendable now as as trade bait. So you've got options. You've got uh, players that can be traded uh, to get you something good. You've got money to pay these guys uh, that are impact players. You need to do it. Alex Anthopoulos is on the clock. Uh, yeah, it's going to be probably a couple months before he can actually consummate a trade like this, but, uh, he's, he's got the ability to do it and he really needs to step up and do so because this team needs some help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know that it's a couple months away. I mean, we're, we're into June now. The season's flying through. So, uh, I mean, we're two, less than two months now away from the trade deadline. So I think we'll start to see that activity, at least the talks, uh, and maybe some of the rumors pick up here in June, but, I definitely agree. Uh, we've been talking about it for what seems like years now that at some point Antopolis is going to have to spin from these prospects to make a big move. Um, I know the team hasn't really warranted it with the way they've played, but at the same time, again, as we keep talking about, this team's capable of, of getting hot, uh, of, of winning the division, winning a World Series even, um, but they could certainly use some help. So hopefully Alex gets that done. Um, We'll end quickly with this, Fred. I know you wanted to talk about uh, the news with the sticky baseballs and baseball and MLB starting to crack down on that. Well, uh, they earlier this year, MLB said, hey, uh, we're going to start collecting baseballs around the league. And, and famously, uh, because he's Trevor Bauer, who we'll face on Sunday, <clears throat> uh, they collected a bunch of baseballs around the league, and they haven't done anything with them. And people wondered, well, what are they doing? Why are they collecting this? The other day, Joe West collected this uh, 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 Cardinal pitcher's hat, and Mike Schilt went to the roof. And, and quite right, it was a, sort of a very Joe West thing to do. But in any case, today they had an owner's meeting, and uh, or yesterday, they had an owner's meeting. And out of the owner's meeting, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, uh, MLB and the owners have decided they want this fixed. They want this sticky substance stuff done. Now, exact details aren't available, but exactly they're, want, they're going to place responsibility on the team. And what that says to me is 
if your pitcher gets caught cheating, we're going to find the team because we have the power to do that. So you're going to police yourself. And the second thing is the umpires are going to be given the authority to go out and basically uh, call a pitcher to attention and do a personnel inspection, hat, gloves, pockets, belt, uh, arms for sticky stuff. They're going to be able to check him out top to bottom to make sure that he doesn't have anything on him to do that with. And if he has something on him, they're going to take it away from him, like they make him get a new glove. Uh, one of the pitchers in the minor leagues, they made him go get a new glove. They threw another one out of the, out of the game. Um, and they're going to have the authority to uh, suspend these pitchers for up to 10 games. And that's just the general feeling that they could do it for 10 games. Uh, right now, the MLB, MLB doesn't want to suspend anybody. They want to gently remind everybody to follow the rules, be good boys. Um, but if you don't, we're going to suspend you. So I don't expect anything to happen, any suspensions to happen this year unless you get a, a second-time offender. Um, but, but next season, I expect it to be real heavy. Uh, the reason is they think that the uh, the concoction that they're using out there, and apparently there's some pretty exotic concoctions out there going on, uh, are giving pitchers the ability to spin the ball and uh, that in ways that a, a, a normal per- person could not with rosin. And that is that is the problem. They feel that that's causing uh, the uh, increased use of breaking pitches, the higher spin rates on fastballs. The league is hitting like 230. On a fastball this year, 235. Last year it was 247. Uh, two years ago it was 275, or three years ago it was 275. And the pitchers aren't throwing that much harder. Okay, you've got a few guys throwing up there har- uh, harder, but you're still, you know, you're still seeing mid 90s fastballs, but nobody's hitting them, and that's a problem. So MLB says they're going to crack down on this, and uh, they have the owners on board with this. Uh, I suspect they've talked to the union, although they don't really have to, because that rule is in the books now. It's been in the books forever. Um, so I, I think it's going to be an issue for the, the people like who go out there with their spread the sun, sunscreen on their arms and coat it with with uh, rosin and spray another layer of sunscreen and Elmer's glue. Somebody told me if someone was putting Elmer's glue on the ball. I mean, gee whiz, guys, please just just throw the baseball. It, uh, uh, but that's that came out today. That was mostly Joel Sherman, New York Post, some stuff from John Heyman and a couple of others. But that was that's the gist of it. Yeah. Um, and not, not to put any pressure on Fred, but I think he's going to have a post up on that pretty soon. So make sure you check the site for that. Um, Alan, anything you wanted to mention before we get out of here? Now the pressure be on me because I'd have to actually edit this thing and figure out what in the world he's trying to say. Uh, no, I'm I'm good with this because I do want. I have always wondered all along whether the baseball, in some form or fashion, is leading to the reduction in offense, and that's something they don't really want to see be happening at the major league level right now. Uh, the reduction in offense is going to hurt um, uh, viewership, I believe. And they, they just, they want some more offense and, and the way that, uh, that can happen is to, uh, get these pitchers playing by the rules a bit. So at least that's the, the theory I think is, is going on here. Um, there's something else and I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, I'll edit that out. Freeman's <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, extension? Uh, right. nah. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. had to do with this subject, but 
you know, we could we could talk about shifts as well. I I don't know that uh, I, I I'm against uh, re- legislating where you put the fielders on the field, but uh, at the same time, I do understand the stats uh, suggesting that uh, it also is contributing to a reduction in offense as well. So. I, I think MLB Network Radio is, is quoting numbers that suggest that uh, league-wide, it, uh, the 16 points or so that uh, everybody's down this year can be tied to uh, uh, shifts. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about the equity of, of doing that personally. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the, the stuff with the shifts kills me. I don't know how they they quantify all that. Like if a guy hits a ground ball to the second baseman and he happens to be playing deep, and short, and he gets him out. He still would have got him if he were at regular position. So I, I don't know how they quantify all that, but I, the shifts, the shift thing does probably need to be adjusted a little bit at this point. You know, we keep waiting for the hitters to adjust, and they're not. So uh, I guess Major League Baseball is going to have to do something about it. Last thing I'll mention is Mike Soroka. Um, Brian Snicker came out in an interview and said that he was done for the year, and then had to backtrack that later. Um, and we've talked about it on here already before. I, I wouldn't count on getting anything from Soroka this year. It sounds like that's Snickers line of thinking anyway. Uh, and maybe it just slipped out, uh, of him saying that, but I would not count on, uh, getting anything from Soroka this year, which is why I also think the Braves need to be looking at finding another starting pitcher as well. Uh, that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Please make sure you go out and subscribe to the Tomahawk Take Podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Stand Against Domestic Violence edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. It's a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fans Hunted LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc., Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants because Minute Media wonderfully allows creative freedom and because we didn't tell them about this. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled... Opportunity Walks. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. This is an important subject, and we ultimately want the guilty to be punished and the victims to receive the help they need. We'll see you out there for the next inning.